Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA Podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Mitchell and Jessica Kanata. If you're looking for ways to bring rigor and engagement to your middle school ELA classroom without sacrificing your nights and weekends, then this podcast is for you. Our goal is to provide you with your weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can actually enjoy teaching again. We'll help you bring the fun and creativity to your ELA lessons so that your students master the standards and you can leave school when the bell rings. Get ready to be that teacher you've always wanted to be to do great work and thrive. All right, we're going to dive into this great episode that I think is really practical and helpful talking about ELA sub plans that are so good. Even the science teacher could come into your class and teach them. And if you're a science teacher, this is nothing against you at all. It's just the comment that it's really so simple for anyone to be able to come into your classroom. Like my husband could come in if I got sick and handle my class to make sure also that you know, my students are still participating in a quality academic learning, and it's not just a wasted day. You know, it's going to happen inevitably at some point in the year that you're going to get super sick and it's going to happen unexpectedly. You're going to wake up at four in the morning. You're gonna be like, oh my gosh, I cannot go to school. And you really need easy sub plans. And, you know, you might have your middle son who comes down with the flu and your mom's not able to watch him. Right. So you'll have to stay home, whatever it is that pops up. You're going to need something that's super simple for you to go to that. You're not sitting there on your computer trying to come up with, okay, read X, Y, and Z in this novel that we're reading and do X, Y, and Z activity. And then you got to attach everything and you actually spend like two or three hours putting together sub plans right before you even can go back to going back to sleep if you're sick or dealing with your child, et cetera. Um, So we really want to provide our substitutes as ELA teachers with something that your students can do that doesn't include a lot of direction from the sub. That's very like independent work. That's super helpful because you know, we only know who's going to be coming into our classroom and subbing, right. And how much ELA experience they actually have. I mean, think about this. If I went into the science classroom, I have no business being in there or the math no. classroom. I've had to substitute a math class before. And I was like, oh, this is not good. You know, hopefully but- they have a test today, right? Like <laughs> right? Fingers crossed. We, we just do the best that we can. So as ELA teachers, like we want to make sure that we're setting up our subs for success and that we're setting our students up for success in our absence. You know, with your luck, you're going to be in the middle of the giver. And there's just absolutely no way that a sub is going to be able to step in and have a rich conversation about whatever part of that novel you're on. You know what I mean? 100%. And like, I definitely learned this the hard way. I don't know if you remember Caitlin, when I was pregnant with Harper, she's my youngest child. Um, this was a few years ago, literally like emergency middle of the night. I'm in the ER with my husband. It's three in the morning and like doctors are coming in and checking on me and running tests. And what am I doing? I am on my phone, emailing my principal, my sub plans. And I'm doing like the most ridiculous things. I'm saying things like, okay, Zachary was supposed to present chapter five summary. And then can you make sure that McCann gives him the questions that we forgot to do? Yes. Like such minute detail. Like what was I thinking? I should have been focused on myself, on the health of my baby. Right. And it, it turned out I was in the hospital for six weeks. Like I didn't go back to school. And what I wouldn't have given to just have had emergency sub plans ready to go. So I didn't have to give it a second thought. Mm -hmm. And it's like Caitlin said, that's bound to happen. Maybe not that extreme of an example, right? But there's going to be a day or two that you're going to miss this school year. So we're encouraging you to play offense with your sub plans and think ahead. 
instead of doing that last minute scramble, like I did to create something. And the, what we're going to talk to you about today is to set it up. So like Caitlin said, anyone can come into your classroom and follow your plans. And we found that creating an emergency sub plans binder that has all your lessons mapped out and already copied. It really puts you at ease and allows you to focus on your health. If you are out sick, or, I mean, I know every once in a while, there's one of those days, right? You take a mental health day or you meet up with your friends or you go on vacation an extra day, whatever it is. You don't want to be thinking about those plans. You want to just know that your class is working on something worthwhile while you're gone and you don't have to give it a second thought. Yeah. And I will say that I had emergency sub plans starting with my first year teaching. And it's because my school actually required them. Mm -hmm. And I remember when they asked me the first time, I was like, wait, what do you mean? Like, I'm just going to make random copies for a random day that I might be out that has nothing to do with my curriculum. Like at the time as a 22 year old, it did not make sense to me. But then over the years I started to realize, oh my gosh, how beneficial that was for so many different reasons. So I actually had a substitute binder and I wish I, I wish I had it here in my office as an example, but we actually have a blog post all about it. And I did a whole YouTube video about it too, that you can go watch as well. But my substitute binder had everything in it. And there are a couple of key components that if you don't have an emergency sub plan binder, like literally it says, emergency sub plans on it and like on the spine and it sits on your bookshelf or it sits on your desk or wherever it is that it's easily findable. Like God forbid something happened to you that really like no one can get a hold of you. You know, like we have to be able to set our students up for success or we get to be able to set our students up for success in the event of that absence. So in your emergency sub plan, binder, what I would highly suggest that you include are number one, you really want to have helpful information for your substitute teacher, things like a seating chart. So as simple as that sounds, inevitably your students, you have some students who are going to you know, try to play a switcheroo on your sub and go sit somewhere else that they're not supposed to. Um, and this also creates that sense of like, normalcy in your classroom and that everything is kind of the same, right? It's not just crazy. You also want to have your bathroom, like in water policy, like whatever your policies are for your students. So they don't take advantage of your substitute. You also want to include, like, if there are particular student accommodations that, you know, Thomas gets pulled out for IEP meetings, every blah, 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 whatever day it is. So that if the sub does come in on a Tuesday, they know, oh, Thomas at two 30 is being taken with miss so-and-so, et cetera. I also always included like my homework policy. I included things like emergency drills, like where my emergency bag was, if there is a fire drill or, you know, where my class goes, all of those like little types of things that we don't necessarily think about that are really helpful for our substitute. And that ultimately are helpful for anyone in our admin who has, who gets to help when you are out. So you know, what days are your yard duty days? Do you have your duty days? Are you in charge of the cafeteria? You know, where do you usually lunch so that the sub maybe feels like a part of the community for that day that they're taking your place? Um, so things like that. The other thing that I like to include is a feedback form or at least a note spot that my sub could leave me feedback about how the day went when they were without me, you know, students did a great job, blah, 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 whatever it is. The other thing that I always told my students 
and that I would include like in an email or in my sub plan is I would say, you know, if I'm out, my students have the opportunity to earn a minute toward their time. And this all ties into my 15 seconds classroom management policy. And that strategy, if you haven't listened to that podcast episode, we'll include it where you're listening to this, um, to this episode, we'll include it in the show notes for you. So you can go check that out too. But that was hugely helpful in managing student behavior when I wasn't there. And all the sub had to do was tell me whether the kids were good or not. And the kids knew, oh, if we're really good, we're going to get a minute towards our time. And it really worked really well. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to that episode because it makes a huge difference. So those are the first two things that you want to include in your sub binder. And then the last thing is you want to have a bunch of like pre-copied, like you've already made these copies of activities or packets that a sub can literally come in and pass out to students and that students can work on independently. Great. Yes. And we want to make sure that they are standards aligned because we don't want to just give students busy work. That's irrelevant to anything that we're doing in ELA. Right. And they also want to be rigorous enough so that students are challenged, right? We want them to be taking themselves still to the next level, even in your absence, but we don't want to have them be too difficult that the sub from the science department or my husband, right. Doesn't know how to help. So there's like this delicate balance between what these types of activities are going to look like for a middle school ELA classroom. Um, so again, if you want to learn even more about like the structure of the sub plan binders, definitely go check out that YouTube video that I've recorded. We'll include that in the show notes as well for you. And hopefully you're starting to see from what Caitlin is saying, how that if you spend time now at the beginning of the school year to organize a binder like that, so that whatever teacher is in your room in your absence can simply like pass out those packets or know your policies, then you really are playing offense, right? You're not having to worry the morning of that you're out or thinking about it the night before, whatever it is. And the key to sub plans that are literally so good that even the science teacher with absolutely zero ELA background can rock them is using those bite-sized standards aligned packets that Caitlin talked about earlier. And this way, the sub just picks them up, passes them out. And if students are like, oh, I'm done. Great. Just pick out another packet and give them the next one. So we want to walk you through what those packets look like so that you can create them on your own and use these next time you are out of the classroom. Yeah. We're going to give you some ideas. So think of them as like independent activities that aren't connected necessarily to what you're currently studying in class, because you most likely want to be present for those lessons, right? If I'm teaching Romeo and Juliet, like I want to be there for the balcony scene so that I can walk them through exactly how I want them to, you know, take in that information, whatever. Um, and these sub lessons are focused on important skills and practice, right? Where they, like Jessica said, their standards aligned. We're not just grabbing something flippantly off the internet and, and sending it in. Or even like Jessica was saying, trying at like 4 a.m. to make what we were originally going to do in class work, which inevitably means that we're going to have to come back in and reteach it. You know, it's going to end up being a waste of class time anyways. So like, let's really actually harness the power of these sub plans and emergency sub plans and these sub days that are going to come up and make them as beneficial as possible. So ideally, when you do have like this little packet that you've put together, these independent activities, and again, we're going to walk you through some examples, you also want to include like an answer key or sample answers to make grading easy for you, but also so that your sub, if there are questions, the sub has a way to like answer them. You know what I mean? If I was teaching a math class, I would be really helpful for me to have the whole like formula written out of how to solve whatever problem it was. Then I might be able to go back to like eighth grade algebra and remember how to help these eighth graders. You know, those things start to come back to you. Um, so we want to do that same exact thing for our students, for our subs. And what's great too, about some of these activities that we're going to share with you is 
you don't necessarily have to grade them. You know what I mean? Like just because you were out and just because students did work doesn't mean that you are required to put a grade on these particular activities. So while you want to include answer keys or sample answers, you know, you don't have to necessarily grade them yourself. You could come back in, pass them out to your students, grade them collectively as a class, provide feedback, have discussions about it. Um, so there are a multitude of ways that you can do this because I mean, honestly, the last thing I want to do after I come back in from being sick is grade six. 60 essays or not essays, but like activities of things that I'm like, oh man, come on. You know what I mean? Um, so we're going to walk you through several ideas of like mini packets that you can set up to include in your sub plan binders. So you can absolutely use these ideas that we're going to share with you and you can kind of put them together on your own, or they might spark like a lesson idea of your own as well as you're listening to you're like, oh yeah, I have something that's similar to that, that I can use and make copies of, um, et cetera. But either way, we want you to have something that is a packet that you can give to your sub and have pre-copies made in your substitute lesson plan binder. So Jessica, we'll talk about a couple if you want to start with um, the first one. Absolutely. So packet idea number one, what you could do is you go online and you find a bunch of Aesop's fables. There's so many of them online and you literally just print out the story. So these are things like the lion and the mouse or the wolf and the crane or the country mouse and the city mouse. Like there's just so many of them. So pick whichever ones you want. Ideally to have like four or five of them would be good. And what you would do is you'd leave a note for your students. This is all part of the packet to have them read through the fables and identify the moral or the lesson being taught. So they write down what the moral is, and then they have to go back in the fable and find a piece of evidence from the fable itself and justify how does that evidence support the moral or the lesson they chose. That's part one. And then you can extend that because that's probably not going to take an entire class period, right? So what you could do is have students after they've analyzed a few of these fables is they write their own very short fable and then they trade with a classmate and they have to find the moral or lesson of their classmates fable and do the same thing, find evidence for that and justify it. You could also have them illustrate pictures. You could tell them even to really extend this. Like we're going to turn this into a class anthology, or we're going to share it with maybe a younger grade to really like hold them accountable, make that, make it be more of an authentic experience. But hopefully you can see like this is standards aligned, right? Students are analyzing key ideas and details from that fable as they determine the moral. They're also finding relevant evidence from the text, and then they're justifying that evidence. Those are all standards that you need to cover during the year. So it's a wonderful opportunity to have your students practice those on a day that you're not in class. And yet they're doing it with really like bite-sized manageable stories because fables are really, really short. And one thing I want to add to that too, mm -hmm. you know, Aesop's fables, I can totally see that working so well with like fifth graders, sixth graders, maybe even some of your seventh graders. And also if you're like, well, I'm an eighth grade teacher, that seems kind of easy. You could take this same exact activity of, you know, identifying the moral or lesson being taught, finding evidence from the text, the extension activity that Jessica talked about with just more challenging texts, right? But the thing is we want to just have a little bit of a delicate dance because you are going to have a sub in there who might not necessarily understand ELA. So if you're including something like, I don't know, an, an essay by Emerson or Thoreau, Ooh. like that might be a little bit hard, but like my advanced eighth graders, a hundred percent could handle that, you know, and they could absolutely uh, pull out a moral or a lesson being taught. And when I come back, we could have a whole Socratic seminar discussion around that. So you can take a lot of these ideas and be like, all right, 
that's a great principle and concept. And as an eighth grade teacher, or even if you're a high school teacher, you can totally adapt that just with different texts. And that's something total side note that I love about our EBW approach is that it is applicable to every grade level and you get to make adjustments literally just based on the stories and the text that your students are reading. So it has nothing to do with anything, but I think it's also really relevant to just the way in which we get to approach English as a whole, as educators is like these ideas, these concepts, these foundational principles can be applied just in different grade levels with different and more challenging texts. Absolutely. All right. So all of that might be packet number one. You've copied it. It's ready to go, but you always want to have extras, right? In case you're out more than one day or your students are, you know, really quick at getting through sub work, which tends to happen, right? So we might have to set that expectation of the quality of work while you're gone, but packet idea number two, you're going to create a transition packet. So what you can do here is just, again, go online and you're going to Google or search for a list of different transitions and you just print them out for your students. They are everywhere. It's so easy to find all these lists online. So you print out a list of them and you instruct students that they, you know, should read through them, kind of become familiar with the different types of them. You also want to, in advance, print out an article for students. This could be an article that has something to do with what you're studying in class. It could be totally random. It could be an excerpt from a piece of literature. It really is up to you there. But after they've gone through the transitions, then they look at this article and they see where could they put in maybe three, four, five of the transitions from their list into that text and still have it make sense. So they're really applying what they learned from the transitions. And then what you have students do to extend this a little bit further is they need to write two paragraphs to turn into the sub or turn into you when you return. And they have to use a certain number of those transitions in their paragraphs. And here you can be, you know, totally creative with what you do. You can have them write a paragraph about the book they're currently reading in class. So it could be like an essential question for whatever novel you have in class. It could be just a creative, fun story that you instruct them to write. You could give them, you know, a person, a place and an object, and they have to include that in the story. It could be a journal entry where they're checking in with you about, you know, how is ELA going for them this year so far? Like it honestly doesn't matter what they're writing about. You could just give them a bunch of choices. The whole point is that they're using transitions in their writing. So you're seeing, okay, did they understand this concept? And, you know, with fifth graders, you might have them use three or four transitions with seventh and eighth graders. You might require more, right? And you want the writing to flow and you just set those expectations differently. So again, it's a standards aligned activity, right? Using appropriate transitions is one of the standards you have to cover to help create cohesion and clarify the relationships among ideas and concepts in students' writing. And at EB, I mean, you've probably heard us say this before, the standards are always going to be your North star, right? It should guide your instruction. So that's why we're coming up with these packets or the ideas that still tie into the standards and are simply just not a waste of your class time when you're gone. I want to add something to this. Yeah, too, do I it. love this. Um, I love this concept in this activity and, you know, with like my eighth graders or my seventh graders, again, like if I had them write this story with these transitions and I say include six transitions or whatever it is, of course I would have them highlight them, but then I would mm -hmm. also say, have them explain why they chose that particular transition. Like what was relevant about that one? Or like, I might tell them, 
I don't want you to use first. I don't want you to use next. Right. Is more, you know, expansive vocabulary. So again, same concept, but across grade levels, we can have different expectations of what our students are doing. So this is great because if you do teach sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, you have the same concept, the same packet. It's just adjusted based on your expectations and kind of those like little extra steps that your students can take as they go up, you know, in seventh grade, eighth grade, um, and academic ability. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Packet idea number three. This one's a bit more um, creative. I like this one. So this is centered around poetry activities. So what you can do is again, go online and print out information about acrostic poems and golden shovel poems. And you're going to want to find an example of each of those. And I'm sure most students are already familiar with acrostic poems, right? They've probably been doing them since they were second, third grade. So you get to elevate this experience, but golden shovel poems might be a little different. So I want to give you some background about that in case you're not familiar with them. So here are the rules for golden shovel poems. You basically take a line or lines, but I think a line is plenty for this activity from a poem that you admire. So one line, and then you use each word in the line as an N word in your poem. So can you picture that Caitlin, like the whole right side of the poem, right? Going down each word of that line. Yep. You keep the end words in order and then you give credit to the poet who originally wrote those lines. And you tell students, you know, this new poem does not have to be about the same subject as the poem that you got that line from. It just has to include those words at the end. So it's actually incredibly challenging. Like it takes some thought and some time for but sure. It's a really like fun process for students. They get to explore. And again, like Caitlin said earlier, you don't have to grade these. So that might take some of the pressure off students. I know I was always intimidated, like, oh my gosh, poetry is so hard and I'm going to get graded (laughs) and I want to do a good job. Like don't grade it. Just tell them experiment, try it. So what you do is for your sub plans, you have students choose one of those two, right? The golden shovel or the acrostic, or you can make it both if it's, you know, higher level class. Um, and then you have them read the examples of that poem and then try to write it on their own. Okay. They can share with a partner. They could even work with a partner. If your class is, you know, well-behaved and can handle that kind of stuff. You could have them relate their poetry to the text you're currently reading in class. You could have them come up with totally different topics, whatever it is. The whole point is just have fun with it, right? Students are still practicing the standards, tying into poetry there. They're learning like a new technique. They're being creative, but it's not again, a waste of class time. So I just love that activity. It's something different, something unusual. And I think students would really enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like golden shovel poems would be really hard to write. Like that would have to, that would really challenge me to think. And it might be interesting too, you know, to have then if they do all of these activities for the third activity, have them tie it into the first one where they were talking about the moral or the lesson learned and evidence from the text. They could literally come up with what is your moral of your golden shovel poem or your acrostic poem and what evidence from the text supports that, et cetera. As they're writing that they could use effective transitions. Yes. See, right? it all ties, <laughs> it all ties I love in. it. <laughs> um, and so I want you to take note that, you know, these emergency subplans, they're rigorous, right? Absolutely. And we can elevate them again as we have higher expectations of our students based on grade level. Um, and they're engaging and they're not a waste of your class periods. So like Jessica kept mentioning, they are standards aligned, right? They directly tie into specific skills that our students get to cover and get to learn in our ELA class periods. And it's not going to disrupt necessarily that main content that we're working on that 
all of a sudden on a Thursday, we're really sick and can't go to school. You know, that's also why when we suggest that you plan, if you use our EB lesson planning approach, that you have floating days, because then having this floating day in your plans is not going to screw up all the rest of your plans. So total side note there too. Um, and I think it's well worth it to take that break when your regularly scheduled plans are in there and you're sick when you have a sub that is needed, like you're not stressing about whether or not that lesson is being taught the way that you want it done. Your students aren't going to, you know, come back and be like, that was so confusing. I have no idea what we covered. The sub didn't do a good job. You know what I mean? It just becomes a little bit disastrous. Instead you say, Hey, so-and-so Mr. Fiat, I'm sick. Can't make it. My sub plans are on my desk. I'll see you guys when I feel better. And like that literally can be the extent of your email because you have set your future self up for success. You know that your students are still going to be learning. You know that they're still covering grade level ELA standards. And you know that when you come back, you can pick up right where you left off with that novel unit without skipping a beat, right? And so I also want to make note that if you are an EB Teachers Club member, you can use um, some of your free coupon codes to download part one of our emergency sub plans and part two of our emergency sub plans. So you can just download them and you don't even have to worry about creating anything from scratch. And if you're not an EB Teachers Club member, our emergency sub plans are also in our TPT store. So we'll include the link for you as well. Um, you can absolutely go do this on your own, but if that's not your cup of tea, um, we'll include the link for you as well. So you can go check that out. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really hope that, you know, even if you don't necessarily put these packets together, which we believe that you should, that you at least still have a substitute lesson plan binder with all of those details that I listed out at the very beginning in a, in a binder on your desk. So God forbid you really like, you can't do anything you don't have to think about it, right? There is no stress on your shoulders at all. It's a simple email. It's on my desk. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Um, so thank you guys so much for joining us and we will see you next week on the podcast. Bye everybody. Bye.